Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shine football fans, welcome to Morning Footy. Thanks so much for starting your day with us. I'm Susanna Collins alongside Nico Cantor. Very excited to welcome Mike Grella to the desk. We have the lovely Jordan Angeli as well. Jenny Chu is here with some headlines. Hi, guys. Great to have you. Good to be here. Uh-huh. It's always good to be here. Yeah. Early morning. I, do, I feel Steve like Nico. you don't mean it when you Nico say doing that. his Elmo impressions. Y'all missed it. Nico does minutes. a Pretty heck good. of a... Heck of Thanks. an Elmo. I feel like it's going to dip it at some point no, during I, I the show. No, I couldn't do it on air. The, the people wouldn't take me seriously. I'm not going to be doing Elmo on air. <laughs> At some point. We'll bring it out at some point. It's pretty good. There might be, there might be an opportunity. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but we are in the presence of greatness right now. Yes. Nico Cantor just happened to make the trip down to Philadelphia yesterday for that League's Cup semifinal between Miami and Philadelphia and just casually got his hands on a game-worn Lionel Messi shirt, which is mm. literally the, the hottest commodity around right talk now. About, How did about, this happen? Talk about a connected guy, by right? the way. Yeah. This, is a, this is a connected guy right here. This is a guy you want to be friends with. Like, I'm touching you right now because you, you touched Messi's sweat. Yeah, so the, I'm the, like, uh, the pixie dust comes off. Exactly. Maybe you'll get some of that. Put magic. some of that greatness on me. So uh, the story oh. goes that um, I formed a nice relationship with Juli Carranza when he was signed by Inter Miami back in the day, pre-pandemic. He's now balling at Philadelphia Union. Didn't play yesterday. He's got a, a bit of a strain, so uh, maybe he'll be back for the weekend. It's kind of like a day-by-day thing. But um, after the game, he invited me over to kind of just check out the jersey and just listen to a couple of the stories that he had to say about Messi. and. Apparently, um, it's it's Juli Carranza and Joaquin Torres are the two Argentines on the union. So pregame, they were both a little bit jittery, excited to see Messi. Wait, when is their moment to come on? Go say hi. And at one point, Messi's kind of making his way over to the bench. And, and Juli, who's with the subs, and Joaquin Torres actually as well, um, got close to Messi. And they're like, hey, Leo, what's up? What's up? And, and Messi goes... What's up, Juli? 
What? He, he knew his names, which, you know, Messi, Messi's doing his homework around the league when wow. I imagine before he's about to play a team, he asks, asks around and goes, what, do they have any Argentines? And, and he knows who they are. Juli had a nice little stint at, in Argentina before he made his way over to, to Major League Soccer when he was a teenager. And Joaquin Torres as well was, was important for Newell's old boys. So uh, in the moment, though, Juli had snagged the jersey right as the game had finished. Oh, man. And uh, on our way out, he took it out of the bag, and it was still moist <laughs> and, and, and sweaty. It, it felt was, like uh, Messi kind of found him, though. Because Joaquin Torres was right by Messi, and Messi kind of made his way over to Carranza and was like, here. Yeah. That, that goes to the conversation about, like, M- Messi the, the person, yeah. too, right? Messi the player, the person, the package that he is. It's hard to say this, but he probably doesn't even get paid enough money. Think about it. He's doing homework to know who's on the other team. He calls them by first name to make them feel welcome, to make mm-hmm. them feel at Nicknames. home. I mean, he's, he's playing. He's sticking up for his teammates. He's totally bought into the mm-hmm. whole project. And just what he brings every single day, he's just, a, he's just a genius with the ball and without the ball. What a guy. What a guy. We're going to dive into that uh, semifinal match in just a bit. But right now, let's turn our attention to League's Cup semifinal action between the Philadelphia Union and Inter-Miami last night, the game that Nico was at. Uh, Inter-Miami continue to roll. A 4-1 win over the Philadelphia Union. Another goal from Lionel Messi, who now has nine goals in six matches. They Jeez. will face off against Nashville SC, who took down Monterey 2-0. So this coming Saturday, it is going to be Nashville hosting Inter-Miami. Let's get into some of these goals that we saw. Uh, Nico, you were witnessing this live in person. What were uh, the, uh, Philadelphia Union, they, they didn't even look like themselves against this Inter-Miami team. And at the end of the day, that's what I think I felt most sorry for because there's a lot of people that were probably watching Philadelphia Union for the very first time, mm. seeing how good they were at the top of the table going into this game. There was a certain hype because this was probably going to be, on paper at least, the hardest opposition that Inter Miami was going to face. And Inter Miami steamrolled them. Mm-hmm. They cooked them. They tore them apart within 30 minutes. And at 45 minutes, it was already 3 0. And it's a shame because that, that's not the Philadelphia Union. No. It's not. They, they're much better. And yesterday, they, they lacked press. They were giving a lot of space in behind. There was a low in intensity. Fullbacks would get forward. They wouldn't get back. Um, Andre and, Blake and, and didn't and play Andre well. Blake got sniped from 30 yards out. I understand yeah. it's messy, right? And, and in that duel... And Messi probably knows, oh, he's not expecting the shot from this far out. I'm really going to put it in the corner. There's, there's virtue there, but a little bit more responsibility mm. falls on the best goalkeeper in the region. There were so many things that were playing in favor of Philadelphia putting up a challenge, and it was a total lack of a challenge. Inter Miami with the ball movement, with Busquets, who is the guardian of the tempo, like I said on our broadcast about <laughs> Modric and about Kroos when we were talking about Champions League. If for Inter-Miami, the way that he organizes everything, the way that he sends players certain ways, and, and Inter-Miami moves the ball, opens up spaces, uses every player in order to be decisive, create some danger, and damage opponents, mm-hmm. Philadelphia blinked and, and Inter-Miami 
didn't at all have have any regrets about mm -hmm. how how tough they went and, and they blew them out of the water. I was really excited to see the game uh, because I felt like this was the first opposition where we could really see what Inter Miami was about, what Messi was about, yeah. what Bosquets was about. I felt like they played against uh, Atlanta and and uh, I think it was Charlotte, yeah. with the, who conceded a lot of goals. So. The beginning of this game, the intensity was unbelievable. And Messi lost a couple balls early on, Busquets as well. And I thought, I was like, wow, maybe the pace of the game is going to be too much for Inter Miami. They're not going to be able to play the way they want. And uh, oh God, Busquets, even that he was quick, he saw guys coming, he'd put his leg in front, he'd go down, he'd slow down the so game, bad. he'd get a foul. Just the cleverness. And, and the, you know, the goal you talk about, Messi's goal, the one we just saw. There's a lot of brilliance there by Messi. He knew that the ball was skipping fast off the ground. He saw uh, Blake off his line who was sort of uh, scrambling back. So but it, for me, it was 50% goalie era, 50% the brilliance of, of, of Messi. Uh, and at the, end of, at the end of the day, it was a very good game. Philadelphia had a lot of chances. Yeah. But some of the defending is, is comical on both ends, yeah. by the yeah. way. The, the, Inter Miami has to be careful because they let, in, let yeah. up a lot of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say there's not often we say Jim Curtin got the tactics wrong. And I don't think starting in that 3-5-2 helped them at all. Or 3-6-1 it really was. Yeah. Let your strength be your strength. And this 4-4-2 diamond yeah. for Philly has mm -hmm. been their strength play that because they looked lost in the first half. They couldn't get pressure to the ball. They, they just didn't aren't... have presence in the box. As Philadelphia? Player, as they were so different in the second half. I thought they were very yeah. different right. in the when, second when half. They when they bring they... off low and, and they yeah, put they in Yeah, they go into 4-4-2. The last Donovan, 15 minutes of the game, they have finally kind of played their way when into When Inter Miami shifted three gears down, 3-0 yeah. yeah, up, they, they, had, also, they could also, have that luxury. As a former player, like when, the, when, the, when your manager changes the formation, it's kind of like, well, why are we changing for them? Why are we not? We're Philadelphia Union. We're a very good team. We've been very good for the last few years. Why are we not playing to our strength? Let them adjust. Let them adjust. Our team's overthinking it when you're when a, a hard not team no, Messi you, you and Busquets to. is coming in. I mean, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, you saw that with the formation change. And I, like I said, as a player, that to me seems like okay. Well, maybe we're not so confident in what we're doing. Why, why are we changing it? I don't like too much change in my team. I like to know what we're gonna do. Right. Um, it's incredible how different this Miami. Like it's you can't even think it's the same team. <laughs> Crazy. It, it's wild. It well, they, they did switch. I can't wait to see this. Final. Six players <laughs> that played yesterday yeah. probably weren't there before. And it's not insane. only it's that, it's Tata Martino as well. But I was just a little bit disappointed with, with the union because Donovan, even, you know you don't have Carranza, right? Sure. He's not 100%. But, Nico, the game could have been tied easily. Yeah. Donovan scores that. Gazdag had some chances as well. Big that chances. Yeah. Big chances. Yeah. Maybe but, later in the second half. And, like, yeah. and at the end of the day also, what I wanted to say about Messi, Messi had the least touches out of all of the games that he played. He had 44 touches, well below yeah. the amount of touches. Not that he wasn't influential at all because it's messy. But funny enough, in that first goal, the one that's it's a, it's a ball over mm -hmm. the top from Christoph, mm -hmm. the center back, to the on-running Joseph Martinez. Messi, at that point, three minutes, 30 seconds, didn't hadn't touched the ball once in the, the whole game. Mm -hmm. didn't, didn't touch the ball. He, he comes into contact with Kremashi, but Kremashi ends up staying with possession. Like, Messi jumps over the ball. 
I couldn't believe it. Three, three minutes, 30 seconds in, I said, no, no way. Messi <laughs> hasn't even touched the ball. Nico just has a ticker in his head. I, I was excited to see Inter Miami tested yeah. by a good Philadelphia Union. It side. is wild. Uh, Philadelphia Union had only given up four goals the entire League's Cup tournament. They gave up four against one team Jeez, in Inter Miami. Uh, so it sets up an all MLS final in League's Cup this Saturday between Inter Miami and Nashville. It will be in Nashville at Geodis Park. Nashville take down Monterey 2 0. And uh, it, I mean, in a way, I think I think it would have been nice to see a Liga Emeki team in in the final would as well. Would have been but nice in, to see a final in Miami. But it would have been nice to see a final in Miami. But Nashville has been playing really, really well uh -huh. in in this tournament. You can tell that they've they've prioritized this. They want some hardware. They want this first trophy for for their club. Um, I just have to. I am so mad. There was a, a Hani Mukhtar <laughs> goal yeah. that was so sublime. And was disallowed. It was called offside, and I, it just—it it hurts. Like it was such a beautiful goal. It just deserved to count. It really this is, did. This is uh, my this. boy Alex Mawil. I shared a locker room no. for a couple of years. Getting in the way of this. You're gonna have some words with him. It just—it just kills you. And he's a good player. He runs a lot for the team. But this is—it's unnecessary for him to get involved. And no. You can say what you want, but you can't make the argument that he doesn't involve himself. He is in the line of the ball, so for me it's a correct oh, ball. So it's so sad. It is sad. In the Women's World Cup, and I'm, am I not going crazy, the, the Spain goal, there was a, a Spanish player in the way of the goalkeepers. Yes. I feel like that was, was more intrusive. Right on the Spain goal, on the first yeah, Spain goal, I, I feel like that was more intrusive than this. The goalkeeper's already yeah, gone the, here. Yeah, the goalkeeper's I, already diving. That's but the it's thing. But that... it's such a, the, the ball is on that line, and he's going across that line. And he made the time. motion to flick. Like, yeah. he's and looking to get Unnecessary movement from, from uh, Mawil, so. Mawil, your yeah. boy. My boy, yeah. He might owe Hani something he's for that one. I, I, I got a lot of time for Alex Mawil. I like that kid a lot. He's, he's a funny one. New York born. So I, I know, yeah. I know. How, like, how old is like he proper New York City born. Oh wow! Yeah. This guy, this guy, Nico. How old is he? No, because, because when I started broadcasting, when I was Not broadcasting, you guys, I started broadcasting MLS 2017, yeah. and he was just coming onto the scene. You were on the 16, team, and along was on the team. He came, 2016, he came. 2017. He must have been together. A, yeah. a teenager, 17 years old. No, 17. Yeah, he was young, old. young, unbelievable. He made me look so bad. How much he can run? You, you've never <laughs> seen a guy, you've never seen a guy can run like this ever in your life. Unbelievable. How much? How much ground? You can cover, yeah. He's a great kid. Um, He's good at right. stopping goals, too, though, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, he owes Hani some dinner. Um, we're going to take a break. Jenny Chu is going to be back with some headlines on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. 
Let's get to these headlines. Manchester City is the runaway pick to repeat as Premier League champions, but that title defense will be tested early after word that star playmaker Kevin De Bruyne could miss the rest of the calendar year with a serious hamstring injury that could require surgery. Pep Guardiola addressed the injury on Tuesday. First of all, I have to say the injury for Kevin is a blow for us, so it's a big loss. Kevin having specific qualities and that you can lost it, you know, for one game, two games, but for a long time it's, it's really, really tough for us. In Americans Abroad news, Inter Milan has reportedly moved on from their pursuit of U.S. men's national team striker Falerin Balogun, but French side AS Monaco has not. According to multiple reports, Monaco is preparing to make an improved second transfer offer to Arsenal for Balogun after having an initial $44 million bid rejected. The Gunners are seeking $55 million for the 21-year-old. Inter reportedly had a $38 million bid for Balogun rejected, and reports have identified Tottenham as another team interested in Balogun after selling Harry Kane to Bayern. Staying in London, Chelsea has been active this summer transfer window, both buying and selling, and they are moving closer to finally unloading Moroccan winger Hakim Ziyech. According to multiple reports, Galatasaray is finalizing a deal for Ziyech, who is heading to Turkey for his medical. Ziyech had a proposed move to Saudi Pro League side Al Nasser fall through after he reportedly failed his medical in July. Ziyech also came close to leaving Chelsea in January, only to have a loan move to PSG fall through due to Chelsea submitting the wrong paperwork. In other transfer news, the Saudi Pro League continues to stack up talent at an astronomical rate, with Al-Hilal at the forefront of the spending. According to multiple reports, Al-Hilal has now locked in on a move for Sevilla goalkeeper Yassine Bono in a proposed $21 million deal. The Moroccan star had been mentioned as a potential option for Real Madrid as a Tibor Courtois replacement before Real Madrid struck a deal with Kepa. for Kepa. Bayern was another possibility for Bono, but the German champions couldn't compete with Al-Hilal's bid for the 32-year-old. Al-Hilal has become the biggest spenders in this summer's transfer window, and they completed their most expensive signing on Tuesday, finalizing a $99 million blockbuster move for Neymar, with the Brazilian star signing a two-year deal with the Saudi Giants. Neymar joins from PSG and will reportedly earn $160 million a season. He leaves PSG after six seasons, having joined the French champions in a world-record $242 million transfer from Barcelona. Neymar joins an Al-Hilal side that has already signed Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, Ruben Neves, and Kalidou Koulibaly, and is still actively pursuing other big money signings. Nico, I know you're watching the World Cup over there because I saw you, you guys celebrate. <laughs> what is happening? From down, oh my god! She just went bing. In the middle of my headlines, guys, I just see everyone jumping <laughs> up, and I'm trying to focus on making sure I'm delivering oh the news my here. Yeah. One, one. You did a good job, Jenny, of staying focused. I, honestly, I, I, I knew something had happened. Yeah. One one. It's, it, it, it was an outrageous goal. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Jordan and I saw it live, and Jordan's like, "Pass it, pass it." She's on the left. <laughs> Caitlin Porter going, "Quiet, Jordan." Bang! Top bins. What a goal! Wow. Yeah. wow. We are we are one one. 1-1, one, one, guys. Wow. And it had to be Kerr, right? right? Getting back into it after... can't write this stuff. That didn't look like a casting. You know what? Either. I knew she needed to start the game. You know, we had those conversations about whether or not you save her because of yeah. the calf injury. And yesterday I said, you have to start her. I love it. And Pay now off. she's at the 60, 64th minute mark. Yeah. She would come in right now, belt. though. Yeah. Ooh. We and have a game, folks. Momentum completely shifts. Too, oh, yeah. You know? I mean, you've got the crowd behind you. 75,000 people. Yeah. <gasps> well... Nico, I know you were focused there, but yeah. are you surprised <laughs> to see? I knew there was a question coming. Uh -huh. <laughs> are you surprised to see that Neymar moved away from Europe, and what does this do to his legacy? 
We talked a little bit about this yesterday, right? Uh, on Monday, I believe. It was on Monday. Yeah. On, I mean, it's all a blur, Nico. Let's be honest. There's... Let me just repeat a little bit of what I said, because Neymar should be competing for Ballon d'Ors at his age. He's still at a point in his career where he can produce magic, where he's got supreme talent. And who are we to say that he's not allowed to go to Saudi Arabia and, and go after the money? Um, because... You secure your livelihood, but not only for you, for the generations to come. But his legacy in Europe fell short of what he could have provided because he was so good. Um, he wins that Champions League with Barcelona, and then afterwards he tries to get out of the shadows of other South American greats like Messi and Suarez mm -hmm. and, and construct his own legend within the game of European football. And... He just came up short, and he's been injured a lot, and a lot of stuff were, was happening off the field, and it's, it's never been, it's always been disputed, his, his status within the world of, of European greats, and at least for my generation of the players that I grew up seeing, Neymar might be the most talented player that mm -hmm. didn't win a Ballon d'Or that could have won a Ballon d'Or. Mm. Yeah. He I, could come back to Europe. You never know, but I, I, it doesn't look like it, it is. It doesn't seem so. like he will. I don't know. Maybe maybe at this point, too, he was just he just kind of saw the writing on the wall and thought, well, I'm just going to get the money because he's he's not going to be held in the same regard well, who, as like, a Messi or a if, if it's not PSG, who's going to pay to bring on Neymar to the With team? an injury history? With injuries. No. With no, I would bring him in my team. Yeah, if I had the but who? But if you had the budget, yeah, who has the some budget? of the top teams have the budget. I think. You, you really think Liverpool's going to take an Neymar? You think Chelsea's going to no. take an Neymar in the Prem, where it's so physical? Like you just said, 31 years old with his talent. If you if he can if you can get him committed to what the, the club is trying to do to win Champions League, to win Ballon d'Or, to, to 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 compete, to score goals, to bring joy to the game, joy to himself again. I think I think he's still there. He's still worth it. He's still worth. He could the come money. to Inter Miami. I imagine. In a couple years. Robin Taylor's killing you <laughs> right now. Give me Robin Taylor. But this, also, on the flip side, though, this signing for me for the Saudi League is like, okay, now you've got to pay attention to the Saudi yeah. League. Yeah. Like, there's so many good players there. Neymar is a big one for me. Uh, when you talk about the joy of football, loving, enjoying watching the game, he's the one that went to Saudi where I was like, okay, this is very legitimate now. They're, they've got a lot of good players, but he's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, they're definitely stockpiling. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to be chatting some UEFA Super League when we come back. Super Cup. Super Cup, that's what I meant. Mm -hmm. Too many leagues. You got there. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.
On a truly gorgeous evening for the first major European trophy of 2023, the Rocky Blancos and the Giallo Rossi. Through here for Paolo Di Bala! Roma rip through! In by Navas! 1-1! And Montiel stares at the prize! Sevilla again! Once more, the trophy is Andalusia bound! Both Inter and City are very close to where they most want to be. The final match of the European football season. It'll come for Rodri! Breakthrough for Manchester City! And Rodri blasts them into the lead! 2023 is the year of the City Treble. today for our coverage of the UEFA Super Cup between Manchester City and Sevilla. Our coverage kicks off at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network and Paramount Plus. Mike Grella, Nico Cantor, Poppy Miller, Michael LaHood, yep. all going to be part of this coverage. Um, you don't want to miss it. So that match today. Also, guys, we have a score update. The Women's World Cup. England just scored again. It is now 2-1. 2-1 England in the 72nd minute. Hmm. Yeah. Australia. Rough, rough goal. I know. Poor Ellie Carpenter trying to clear it a couple times and just can't get it out of her box. Oh, God. Just anywhere but there. I know. I know. It's a rough one. Sam Kerr's face said it all. Um, all right. So let's chat uh, some, some Super Cup here. So for those of you that don't know, this is basically the winner of the Champions League taking on the winner of Europa League. It's an annual game um, that we see every year. And it is the eighth Super Cup meeting between clubs from England and Spain. Mm -hmm. And the Champions League winner has won the last four of these matchups. Um, so when we look at uh, this matchup between Manchester City and Sevilla, it's obviously early days in, in the season for, for both of these teams, but it's a chance to take home a, a trophy early on, set the tone. Grella, how seriously are these teams taking this match? I don't know how seriously they'll take it, but it is a pretty big trophy. You have to win the Champions League or the uh, Europa League to get into this, to even qualify to have a chance to win this trophy. So. I think in a one-off game and a chance to win a trophy again, and you put that on your resume as a player, as a coach. So uh, in early days, you still have all the energy, all the preparation, all the things you want to work out. So it's early days. So I think they'll go full throttle yeah. in, in that way. Now, is it the end of the world if they don't win? I, I don't think so. But I, I, I do believe there's a, a massive disparity between the quality of these two teams. Yeah. I think they're definitely going to go for it. If you saw Pep talking to Holland at halftime of their game, you know that Pep's energy and intensity is already at the maximum. Did Holland already have two goals yes. at that point as well? And he's, he's oh, yeah. still disappointed in, in the decision-making in, in moments. So I, I think they'll go for it in the, the way that they can. Will it be, I don't know, the same starting 11 for both these teams? Who knows? But um, it's a trophy. Both these teams no, want I, a trophy. I'm, I'm going to bring it back from before the Burnley game where Holland already had his double and Pep Guardiola spoke to him at halftime. Look at the goal that Cole Palmer scores in the community shield against Liverpool and how much that meant to Pep Guardiola and how seriously he was taking a one-off final between the winner mm. of the Prem mm -hmm. and the winner of the... Wait, how did, uh, not runners-up of FA? No, runners-up of is City wins the, wins the Prem and City wins the, the FA Cup. So it's the runner-up Second, up second of that. place yeah. of other Prem goes, wow, I was thinking, I was like, Liverpool didn't win the FA Cup. Um, <laughs> so it's a one-off final, and Pep was taking it very seriously. And 
Sevilla is going to take it very, very seriously because, like you said, there's a massive disparity in, in the strength of both of these squads. City is so deep and Sevilla has become this very dogged uh, team with this characteristic of being so relentless and putting up this fight under Jose Luis Mendilibar that has taken them through big opposition uh, in, in Europe where they were able to de defeat Manchester United mm -hmm. and end up in the Super Cup in, in Athens in, in this one-off game against Manchester City. Anything can happen in 90-plus in minutes. No, it's absolutely true. Anything can happen. But Manchester City are also going to be missing a, a key mm. piece That's the in, in yeah. Kevin De Bruyne, um, who Pep Guardiola said yesterday um, is likely to be out for an extended period of time, perhaps four months with that hamstring injury that, that he suffered. What does is, what is City do without him, Grella? He's the key that unlocks defenses, that unlocks a lot of teams that want to play in low blocks against Manchester City because they have a lot of the possession and they dominate the, the, the play. I think, again, we'll see it today. Sevilla will sit in and make it difficult for, for Man City. And De Bruyne, De Bruyne is the guy that you normally makes it 28 assists. That's .70 assists a game. That's like almost an assist a game. That, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I, you could argue that sometimes getting an assist is just as hard as scoring a goal. Um, so he's going to be a big piece, and we see Pep uh, speaking about it, uh, what a big loss he is. We talked about earlier the loss of Gundogan, and, and this, is, this is much more of a loss for them. And now you have to start questioning, will they have a repeat season? I don't think so, not with missing uh, such a key player. For that extended period yeah. of time, that's, that's tough. What does it do for the, the Holland dynamic? Like how, does, how does missing Kevin De Bruyne yeah. affect Erling Holland and what he's able to do? So... Easily, Kevin De Bruyne was the strongest partnership that provided Holland the goals. There was nobody else that was at Kevin De Bruyne's level in, in ways of service. And even the other way around, between Holland to Kevin De Bruyne, He's, he gravitates so much, Kevin De Bruyne, and like you said, he's able to unlock because a lot of teams will sit back and, against Manchester City or at least have a very populated midfield and it's difficult to navigate through. And Kevin De Bruyne on his left, on his right, just sees the channels and how to get by and where to combine. So a lot of the responsibility as well is going to, I mean, not only fall on, on the other creative minds of the team, like a Bernardo Silva, for example, who, I mean, uh, like a Bernardo Silva, or like a Graylish Foden, but Juli Alvarez as well. Pep has constantly gone to the second striker and, and looked to solidify that partnership as well between Juli Alvarez and, and Holland. It always helps when there's a Kevin De Bruyne in the mix as well, but Julio Alvarez works well off of the striker. Um, maybe they can find, that's gonna get more minutes, mm -hmm. that, that, that partnership on the field. 28 assists though, imagine yeah. now, okay, Alvarez, you're in. This is yeah. the, this is get the you the ball. Good luck, I mean, yeah. anyone who plays in that role that's gonna be expected to create uh, plays for them and unlock defenses for them is going to have a lot of weight on, on their shoulders to do what uh, what what he did. So it's going to be difficult. The one thing I will say is under Pep, like if you if this was happening to any team, you can imagine him making some kind of tactical little tweak that he he has the bench to be able to make substitutes that are sometimes just as good as the starters. This is the deepest team in Europe. And he is just such a genius in the way that he sets teams up. You're never going to replace De Bruyne. You're, you're not going to. Irreplaceable. But can you 
tweak the way that you attack in a way to um, set up some players that are Holland or Phil Foden, get him more involved centrally. I just think he's, it's going to rely on Pep and what he can tweak in the way that this team is going to attack going forward. Mm. On Sevilla's side, Nico, I, it, it, they haven't made many Im- no. improvements in, in the transfer. It, they haven't is, lost any players either. They haven't lost, but it's kind of what we saw last season is sort of what we can expect from them, yeah? Essentially, it looks like the same team. They lost, by the way, in match they won of... La Liga at home mm-hmm. against Valencia. Uh, Valencia's tried that side that struggled for the large majority of, of last season, but have come in maybe refreshed with new hopes. Um, it, it was a hard-fought match, is what you expected. This Sevilla team is very wide. They're quick with those wingers, with, with Lucas Ocampos on the right and the other Argentine, Eric Lamela, on the left. You have a top goalkeeper in, in Yasin Bonu, but then when you cross the ball into Yusuf Enesidi, who has LeBron James-esque hops, <laughs> it's, it can solve a lot of issues, especially when it's a little bit more direct than anything else. Wow. You just made a LeBron James he, Man, he gets, I, I would Dang. love to see, I would love to see like a average dunk Vertical. Height vertical from LeBron James, and then compared to like I think of the Yusuf Enesidi goal in the World Cup against Portugal, the dude got like a springboard. He gets so high, and, and he's not not only is he good in the air, you get on the ball inside of the box, and 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 he can finish you. So wow. He's just he's dangerous. Keep keep an eye on keep him. Keep an eye on him. Um, again, that match, uh, Super Cup between Man City and Sevilla today at 3 p.m. Eastern. Our coverage begins at 2.30 on CBS Sports Network and Paramount+. Plus. When we return, uh, we are chatting uh, the Italian national team and their search for a new manager. That's on the other side. leading Napoli to their first Scudetto in 33 years, Luciano Spalletti announced he'd be leaving the club on sabbatical. Well, his time off might not be lasting very long as he is the leading candidate to take over as the new head coach of Italy's national team following the resignation of Roberto Mancini, who had been in charge of the Azzurri for the last five years. Um, It's gotten a little complicated over the the last couple of days. Um, A lot of back and forth between the the Federation and and Napoli, but let's talk about Mancini first and and his exit, Mike Grella. Um, Was it time for him to leave? Did Italian fans kind of feel like this was this was inevitable. It was the it was the craziest mixed bag when you think about Mancini because it, it wasn't good. It was it was never amazing. Like if you watch the Italian national team play, it was never convincing. Hmm. They didn't really have an identity. Uh, the players he called, you can say, it was questionable at times. Doesn't qualify for the World Cup. They're sitting third in the in the in the uh, European qualifiers now. It just hasn't been good enough. But then they won a European Championship, right? And they've also broke, was it Argentina's record of the longest uh, win streak? The or win streak. streak and then, or whatever that was. And then I think Argentina, yeah, Argentina beat it. I think they beat, beat Spain's. Italy beats Spain's and then Argentina beats Italy's. Okay. So, so he does have those two things. So the, there's a lot of respect there from the Italian fans, I think. But everyone, I would say, is, is, was happy to see it go on, move on. It seems Marcini stale. Move on from it. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it seemed like there was no answer, you know. And they lose to England at home, which 
Yeah. It doesn't doesn't look doesn't no. look right, and and they lose to North Macedonia that knocks them out of the World Cup. Is it That's not good enough? Yeah. You know? Not only like a national team problem, but when Italy is going to Argentina to go get Matteo Retegi from Tigre, with all due respect to Matteo Retegi because he's good for the Argentine league, for the Italian national team, it just tells me a little bit about maybe lack of player development or or even just lack of a player. Cool. Like, it, why do we have to go to Argentina to go get a striker? It's a strange one, you know? When, when I grew up watching Italian football, it was the Tottis, the Del Pieros, the Andrea Pirlos, the, I mean, you can go Camronesi, so many talented players, you know? And we always had a center forward, Christian Vieri, Luca Toni, like, always good players. Now, yeah, then you, you wonder. For me, there hasn't really been an elite player in the Italian national team since Verratti. Verratti is the only one for me that's that elite level, can see the field, can play, unbelievable technique. Uh, the rest, they're sort of there, you know, and you could argue Raspadori is there now. There's, uh, you know, a lot of good players that are in the mix. And then recently you lose Bonucci, Chiellini in a center back positions where I think they were fully responsible for winning the Euro because of just how organized mm. they were. Um, so, yeah, you, there is a, a little bit of an issue with the player pool for, for sure. No question about it. Rategi is a perfect example of that. Uh, let's talk about Spalletti as well. Can you kind of explain what, what happened? Because it seemed like he was set to be announced as the next head coach of Italy, but then there's been a little bit of back and forth between the Federation and, yeah. and the club Napoli. So, so Spalletti's really happy at, at Napoli, obviously. They go on and win the Scudetto first time in 33 years. Napoli takes his option sort of without speaking to him first. Big respect thing mm. between him and Di Laurentiis. Spalletti not happy about it, wants the same amount of money, from what I understand, so wants the same amount of money that's some of the top managers in this area I have, like uh, the Mourinho's of the world uh, and probably a few other managers in this, in this area. I think they couldn't come to an agreement over salary mainly. Ends up officially going on a sabbatical, right? So he's not away from Naples. He's not yeah. gone from Naples. He's just taking a year off. So technically, Naples are still, I don't know if they're His still His contract him, would end at the him. end of the season? I'm not sure. But they still have him for right now. Uh, and right. Di Laurentiis came out and said, look, he's still our manager, technically, right. and, and shame on the Federation for going out and trying mm -hmm. to get someone that we basically own. My argument against it, I understand he's <laughs> technically still under contract with yeah. Napoli, but they, they're probably not paying him for taking the sabbatical. I would probably. imagine they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be paying. It would be absurd to be well, paying him. It's going to depend a lot on Rudy Garcia, the new uh, head coach, what happens, what the results look like. Is he happy? Is Naples happy with him? Mm. Um, obviously, in football, things move very quickly. You know, in two weeks, your whole life can change in football. You're talking about if he takes a sabbatical, a sabbatical for a year, a very good manager like himself, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And this is just the first one that popped up. But as an big Italian fan, I, yeah, big one. <laughs> and I think he wants it. And I think everyone in Italy yeah, what's wants been, it. Yeah, what's been but the reaction? But just doesn't want it. What's been the reaction from Italy fans? If, if Spalletti does, in fact, get the, get the job? I think it's the most natural progression when you look at it. The only other one is Antonio Conte that is, it's been a mixed bag for him the last couple of years in terms of result, in terms of the way he's left clubs. Um, it's almost like comes in, a lot of running, a lot of fitness, a lot of spending money, doesn't work for a year or two, and then you know spitting, the, spitting it out of the pram and getting upset and leaves it a, a little bit in a, in a, in a nasty way. So... Not sure Conte is the right guy for the job, but Spalletti just seems like the natural progression for Italy mm -hmm. to play good football. And the things that he loves to do are, are just 
taking the good football, but the practical things, things in defense, things in attack, uh, that Spalletti can bring that he brought to Napoli and was a big piece of them winning the Scudetto. But it does feel like he can galvanize a team. And for Italy and the, that group that you were just talking about with the some of the disappointments this national team has had recently, it feels like that's what they need. Someone to like come in and really be able to bring a unit together quickly keep them organized and maybe get back to what Italy is so good at, you know, just staying so compact defensively. To be, I think, the coach of the Italian national team or any of the massive national teams, you have to have a lot of charisma, right? Again, mm. we talk a lot about football, but this is this is the person as well, and he has so much charisma. Yeah. When you meet him in person, he speaks so slow. He, have, he makes you understand. He makes you feel comfortable. I mean, I only met him once, and I feel like he's my buddy because of just the way he made me feel and the charisma. And, and I felt all the players felt that about him mm -hmm. as well. You know, like he's been there, experienced, but he also knows when to put an arm around, and he knows when to, you know, kind of get after you. So mm -hmm. they, they could use a manager like that for sure. So you said something that was galvanized, and going off of what you said, um, it feels like the, this is the right progression for Italian football because you have the base of the Catenaccio where you can have your wingers working and it. it's so hardcore uh, defensively. It's, it, it's very robust. And then I can think of the, the intensity that Italy lives their football, their national team in an in, in anthem. Italy, yeah. <laughs> Italia, yelling. And it's, it's, that's how they play. And Spalletti, can give Italy that progression from being strong defensively but having so many weapons offensively. Yeah, and uh, he speaks. A, he spoke to us a lot about we, we got into how Juventus play and what he thinks about it. And I can't even say it on camera, what he thinks about the way Juventus <laughs> plays. <laughs> so he takes pride in playing the oh, modern, the modern way. Yeah, this is when uh, we were in the office. He, he invited us in and he was great. But he, he takes kids. so much pride mm -hmm. in, the, in playing modern football and playing higher up the pitch. And I think that's important for the Italian national team to go into the modern way of mm -hmm. playing and instead of leaning on what they've been known for always is, is playing in a low block defensive. Yeah, that clip you showed, the holding mid was at almost at the 18 defending. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a little higher up the field. Amazing. <laughs> hey, great stuff. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thank yeah. you for that. Also, we have a score update, guys. 3-1. 3-1 oh, to England boy. right now, and we are in stoppage time. I love so, how we were all actively rooting for Australia. I know. Yeah. I know you can hear the letdown in our voices. Uh, anyway, we are going to take a break. We are chatting some uh, Champions League qualifiers when we return. Don't go anywhere.